Well, good morning, everybody. It's good morning. I'm excited to be with you. Uh, my name is Pastor Chris. I'm associate pastor here. Uh, pastor David, our senior pastor, he is on vacation with his wife this weekend, and so uh, they're just having a restful time together. So keep them up in prayer. We want our pastor always to feel rested and full. Amen. So, uh, so yeah, I'm so excited for have some time off. I'm excited to fill in for him as well. We're going to have a good time this morning. Uh, it, I think in the going on six years I've been here, I think four of them I have preached on Valentine's Day. I'm not sure how that is, but if there is a day that I get to preach on, I, I enjoy that it's on Valentine's Day. Honestly, it's just kind of one of those uh, nice days to get to talk about Jesus. Um, I do have, do I need to move away from this? Like, is humming. It doesn't like me. Do you want me to like back up? We're good? Okay. All right. Uh, Pastor David did leave me uh, an announcement, important announcement for us. Um, on Sunday, March 28th, uh, we'll be holding our annual church business meeting at 5 p.m. Uh, so put that on your calendar. It's going to be coming up at the end of March, March 28th. If you are an official church member, uh, we need you to attend this meeting as we must have a quorum in order to do the church business that's going to be on that day. Like last year, due to COVID-19, we'll be offering up the, dri the drive-through or the drive-up voting for our members who have health concerns about gathering together with others. So we'll be providing that for you as well. And email and letters will be going out to those whose emails we don't have, explaining the details for you. And, uh, and, and we also need to identify those who are running to serve on the church board this year. Uh, we have their photos up on the screen behind me. And Pastor David just asked that you give careful uh, and prayerful consideration to those that are up this year. Um, do we have the photos? Are you shaking a hand? No? Yeah? Oh, okay. We do not. Okay. And uh, they are not on here. Okay, let me see if I can remember. Okay. So Rich Davison is up this year. Um, Wes. Dan Dawson. Thank you. I think Wes Miller. And there's... And, um, Ed, Ed Hogan, thank you, thank you. That was very helpful. It's one of those things where you're like, it's not on there, now I have to just remember off the top of my head. So uh, they will also be listed on the emails and, and uh, information that will be going out as well. But we have four board members are, that are up for voting, and so that will be a part of the uh, church business meeting this year. So keep that in prayer. Um, we are excited for our church leadership team. Um, we are so happy for the way that they've been navigating our church through these tough times. Amen? And so we just, uh, just want to be in prayerful consideration about... Um, who God has next for us. So uh, March 28th at 5 p.m. That's Sunday. Mark it on your calendars. And I believe that is the only announcement. All right, let's pray over, the, pray over the word this morning. Father God, I love, I love, I love, I love your word. I love it. In our world where we turn on anything, our phones, TV, anything, every day long, other humans are telling us what is true and what to believe. And then often we have to try to rely on our own strength and our own mind to discern what is true and what is not true. And I'm so thankful, God, that you left us your word so that it is this quiet and safe haven where we can trust this pure and true and loving authority to guide and direct our lives in a world that is broken. I am so thankful that your word is not a burden. I don't always understand it, and that burdens me. But I am thankful that your word is not a burden. It is like a second Eden that you have provided for the mind, where we can go and we can listen and we can pray and we can be and we don't have to worry about falsehood. 
Thank you for your word. Speak to us through your word this morning, Lord. Quiet our minds and give us faith to believe that you have overcome. You have us, and your Holy Spirit does guide and direct us into ways of life. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Our scripture for this morning is nice and simple. It's from 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Some translations say all fear. Isn't that wonderful? I don't know about you, but if there's one thing going on in the world right now, whether it's manifested through anger or tears or anxiety, at the root of it all is fear. And this scripture says that there is a love available that casts out, drives out all fear. It's Valentine's Day. What could bring out our desire for love more? Both its joy, if we have it, and its pain, if we don't. Abraham Maslow, a famous American psychologist, said, All human beings have a hierarchy of needs, with physical needs at the bottom, like food, shelter, and water. Or in Red Bluff, you could probably add guns. Because these are essential. And then he says, up the totem pole, up the pyramid, you get to needs like self-actualization, becoming all you were made to be. And that's because these are the most satisfying. But where is love in this hierarchy of needs? Where does it fit? In my studies and personal experience, I have discovered that love is the most powerful and most desperate need of all. Back in the 60s, I believe it was, they did a study on baby monkeys. You are not going to like this study. It was very unethical, or in the words of young people, really messed up. But it did reveal once and for all how critical love is and how we'd rather die than live without it. In this study, they took these little baby monkeys, and when they came out of the womb and let them grow next to the mother, and if you'll notice the mother naturally with the baby monkey will cuddle and nurture, there's bonding involved. And then they allowed the monkey to go ahead, the baby monkey to be in that setting for a while, and then they took that baby monkey, took it from the mother, and just put it in a box. And they continued to feed it and give it water. They even gave it a little animal, a little stuffed animal to snuggle up against. And what was fascinating is that little monkey started to not take care of itself as much as it used to. Its fur was getting more matted. It was more anxious. It was starting to shake when it wasn't with the mother. And what it would do is still eat and it would still drink water. But what it would do when it would go to bed is always snuggle with the stuffed animal. And then they took the stuffed animal away. And then slowly but surely, the fur, the everything, the monkey shakes more and more anxious. Now, the monkey is not sleeping, the monkey is not eating, the monkey is not drinking. And praise God, they realized that this little baby monkey was going to die if they didn't intervene. And thankfully, they did. What was the lesson? Even a baby monkey will give up on the essentials of life without love. How much more a human being... 
We're living in a culture today that is completely undermining and making you feel like love does not matter. You can get on life without love, even though on the inside, when you do not have connection with God and people, you are dying on the inside. There are people in this room that you do not sleep, you do not hunger for food anymore, you do not have, you don't even care for water, and the only reason you're doing it is because your doctor is telling you you have to or you'll die, but something on the inside of you is going, you don't get it, I don't care without love. This is how it is with us. Take away love, or if it goes bad, and we will not eat, we will not drink, we will not sleep, and we will forego all self-care altogether. In short, without love, true love, we'd rather die. Because more than food or shelter or water, we need love. Amen? This speaks to every heart, every gender, every age. And if you do not resonate with that, it's because somewhere along the way, you gave up on your need for love. And yet I promise it is still there. It is still a longing, waiting to be filled. Interestingly enough, the Bible says more. God knows our number. He says you don't just crave love. The Bible says you desire perfect love. What a terrifying revelation that is. Who can fill it? And yet we do that with each other. One of the most common destructive principles in every human relationship, whether it's mother, child, parent, child, girlfriend, boyfriend, spouses, you name it, any human relationship, where either party or both parties does not acknowledge what I thirst for most is perfect love, what happens is they start looking for perfect love in each other. And do you know what that does? It causes eternal frustration and, 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 and disa being dissatisfied. Why aren't you fulfilling my need for perfect love? And you're just like, I can't. I don't have it to give. Oh, and by the way, I feel the same thing about you. And yet there it is, this desire for perfect love with us in every relationship, counting every fault, crushing people under its infinite weight, and unconsciously frightening us because we sense just how powerful it is, often manifesting in us as panic and fear because we're unwilling to admit we have a desire for perfect love. Who could fill this need for perfect love? And how scary that is. At first, we try to blame someone, our parents, ourselves, our spouse, our children, our friends, that ex. But then somewhere along the way, we realize it's not their fault, that this is much bigger than them and it's much bigger than us. This is a hole so big, we're discovering no one can fill. So what are we searching for? Praise God, the Bible says perfect love. And even better, who wrote the Bible? God. Isn't that wonderfully simple? God says you desire perfect love. Who said it? God did. So what's he saying? In one relievingly deft stroke, all God is simply saying is, you're looking for me. That's it. 
talk about taking all the pressure off. I don't need to count your faults because I just didn't realize I was trying to find perfect love in you and that wasn't fair. Any more than you trying to find perfect love in me is not fair. God says what you're really looking for is me. And when you have me and you learn to spend time with me, you don't count faults. You just learn to celebrate each other and just do the best you can with each other until I return. God's simply saying, you're looking for me. That's it. And that fits. But how? How do we, like anybody else, let God's perfect love in to fill that otherwise palpably desperate hole? For this, I'd like to use Moses this morning. I totally get Moses. Talk about a guy, at least in scripture, his faults are like right out there. If you've never read about Moses, you've got to give, your, like, give yourself a break on perfectionism and just read about him. He's hilariously candid. I love Moses because when Moses first experienced God and his love, he wasn't even looking for it. God found him. Moses had no idea that he was already precious and chosen and loved and accepted in the Father's eyes. He already was, and he had no idea. And best of all, and totally in line with our deepest needs, is when this perfect love found Moses, it was completely unexpected and unearned. Amen? And then he experienced it. He encountered God's perfect love, and it stayed with him for the rest of his life. You remember how it was growing up? Mom goes, I love you. I love you. I love you. And when you're a kid, you're like, that's all I need. Mama loves me. Daddy loves me. And then they hit a certain age, and then it's like, doesn't count. <laughs> I love you. That's enough, right? And then the child's like, no. One of the worst. Mom, you have to love me. Your mom. And you see, in a sense, we all go through that, don't we? Because interestingly enough, deep down, what we want most is not automatic love. We want to be chosen. Amen? Who here understands the difference between you have to love me because it's your duty versus I was chosen? Profoundly different, right? Profoundly different. It's a sense that against all the odds, I can't believe it. Me? Incomprehensibly special? How many of us have here have had that thought, why me, God? Why do you love me? And so much. But the key is not to stop there, but to keep going, which is to get down really honest and vulnerable with yourself and just don't ask the question, but jump into the experience and go, honestly, I don't care. I just really like it. Amen? You see, so many of us, we stop at this self-pity place of like, why God? Why God? And what you don't realize on the inside is you're like, honestly, I don't care. I just like it. I really like it. Amen? Let's, come on, let's get all the way there. Admit you love being 
chosen by the Father through Jesus Christ and the Spirit. It's like the best reality ever. Why, God? God's like, let's just snuggle. And you're like, okay. Or if you're a guy, let's wrestle. Okay. If you don't think God wrestles, read about Jacob. He broke his hip. How's wrestling that for you? Stop stopping at the why and move fully into the reality that you were chosen and how wonderful that feels. My mother-in-law uses this wonderful phrase. I love it. Never heard it before. When we would give her encouragement, we love on her. She would go, stop it some more. I love that phrase. I never heard it before. Stop it some more. That's how it feels. When God loves on me, I'm like, oh, stop it some more. Stop it some more. That's exactly how it's supposed to be. Stop, count, stop counting how unworthy you are. Stop looking at your weaknesses. Now, there are times you need to look at that because it's getting in the way of human relationships, getting in the way of your effectiveness. And so there are times you do have to dig into that. But when it comes to your relationship with God, you're supposed to be going, stop it some more. Stop it some more. I'll take as much as you have to give. Happy Valentine's Day. We absolutely adore the chosenness of God's love and that it's unexpected. God's love is like the perfect dish where every bite is re-experiencing it all over again. You ever had that perfect dessert or dish? You take the bite, you're like, oh yes, it's heaven in my mouth. And then you do it again and you're like, oh, it's just so delicious. And you want it to last forever. Well, good news, God lasts forever. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And not in the boring, I'm getting more bored kind of way. If you are truly learning to say, yes, stop it some more, God. He is always fresh. He is ever new. He is the ancient of days and the bright morning star. I believe this is what Moses encountered. Not perfect deity or power, though those, of, those, of course those are included. But I believe that because he was a human being and at the deepest core of our being is to be loved, I believe that Moses at that burning bush encountered perfect love. And therefore is a template for us to experience perfect love. I believe God left this account in Scripture to in fact resonate and give us permission to that need for perfect love, but not to find it in another person, but to find it in him. So with that, let's read and see God's perfect invitation to his perfect love through Moses' experience of it in Exodus chapter three, verse one through 11. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 11. Now Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law's Jethro, 
the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, talk about that. You go up to this burning bush, not burning up, and it knows your name. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God simply said, I will be with you. I love this story. There are four things that I see stand out to me when it comes to preparing oneself to experience God's perfect love, whether it's for the first time or his mercies are new every morning time. The first one is there must be enough interest for it. There has to be enough desire to get you to go after him in ways that trump everything else you're trying to go after. There has to be not just interest, I'm kinda interested. No, it has to build to almost a desperate point. It says that Moses went out of his way to go see and look and possibly experience what was there. There wasn't anything convenient or passive or safe about it. He knew he was, he was wandering and shepherding around the mountain of God. He knew that this mountain was known for great experiences and great things. And then there's this burning bush that shows up. You don't think that Moses was probably feeling a little bit like, whoa. And yet, despite that, he went out of his way to go seek, to look, and find. In that moment, Moses shut everything else out. 
his responsibilities to shepherding the sheep. He shut out his father's approval about what he would think about Moses deviating from his duties. He even shut out his own sense of self of, well, I'm the type of person that these are the things I do and I don't do anything else and I don't normally go off the beaten path. Moses dropped all of it to go seek and to find. In other words, we too must be willing to admit our keen and even desperate desire for perfect love, which shuts everything else out except to seek and to find it and trust that somehow God will find us just like he found Moses. If you do not acknowledge your need for perfect love, you are still going to keep chasing after all the wrong things and get so frustrated. And the irony is if you're raised in the church, it's the funniest irony of all ironies, except it probably makes angels cry, is that we go, God, I'm pursuing all of these things and this person and my career, and I'm always frustrated. Why are you doing this to me? And you're like, he's like, what are you? I am perfect love. Hello, I'm the one you're looking for. Don't get mad at me for not letting you find perfect love in the world. That would be the worst thing I could let you do. I don't want your heart broken anymore. So take your pursuit and come to me. Why does God prevent you from finding perfect love in anybody or anything else? It's because he doesn't want your heart broken anymore. He wants you to rest in him. And then by resting in him, you can enjoy the things he's made you for. He doesn't want to take them away. He just wants your ultimate satisfaction to be him. When I think of enough interest... This funny picture comes to mind, probably relate with. Sometimes when she and I go out to eat, and I'm in the immediate moment, not in the, in, in the desire for dessert, and so we'll pick something, and she'll get something, and then I don't. And then she'll start eating it. She looks like she's really enjoying it. You know where that happens, where you're like, you keep looking at them. You're not even looking at them, you're looking at the dessert. And she goes, would you like some? No, I'm okay. I'm fine. Okay. Are you sure you don't want any? No, I'm fine. Because on the inside, I'm like, dang it. I should have not turned that down. And you go back and forth, back and forth until finally, usually I'll be like, yeah, I would like a bite. And then she gives it to me. And we've learned since we've been married a while. That she usually has to pull the thing out of my mouth right before I take my bite because I want a big bite. So literally, that happens where I'll be like, I'll take a bite. She goes like... It's the same way with us. There's truly a part of us on the inside we keep looking at God. Could it be, could it be, could it be, could it be, could it be? He is perfect love. And God is going, would you like a bite? Would you like a bite? The only difference is he'll give you, him, he'll give you all of it. He'll give you all of him. You see, to experience God's love, we must admit our thirst. 
We must feel it in all of its desperation and need and craving and power. Some of you, you are shaking spiritually on the inside because you're trying to find it in your spouse or your children or another. You're shaking because they can't fulfill it and you're getting angry and upset in a rage or depressed and you don't know what's going on and it's because you need to start partaking of him. And as you partake of him, then like the little monkey, you'll start taking care of yourself again. You start treating others correctly again. And you're gonna feel pretty darn good on the inside too. This makes sense of all the gospel's accounts of people desperately and unashamedly and even embarrassingly doing everything they can to get to Jesus. You've got the rich Zacchaeus. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I think it's Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus, whatever. And he's this like well-to-do Jewish person, which in their culture, you don't, you don't go jump, climbing up a tree mid-age rich person going, let me see Jesus. You don't do that. Why would you do that? It's because he dropped everything so that he could just experience perfect love. It wasn't safe. It wasn't convenient. He didn't care because he sensed something in Jesus that satisfies all of these accounts of people with leprosy who aren't supposed to even be getting close to people, of women who are bleeding in embarrassing ways and they would never tell anybody. All of these people do not care when they come into the presence of Jesus Christ and they sense in him his perfect love. Their desire turns on and they see the one their hearts has always been searching for. Moses was willing to go out of the way to meet his need to know and see and experience for himself. And like Moses, this too must be our first step towards encounter with perfect love with Jesus Christ. It is the step of inconvenience, of risk, of surrender, of faith. Number two, I think that's one of the reasons I love the Pentecostal tradition, because we say so often, if you want to encounter God, you've got to get out of your seat, baby. Got to get out of your seat. God can meet me right here. Yeah, that's not how love works. Love pursues. Love pursues. And when you pursue, God meets you in the pursuit. But when you don't pursue, then God is going, you don't get love. You still haven't figured it out yet. But once that side of you turns on, like I'm looking for, I'm looking for, I'm looking for, this makes sense of so many other things in my life that are not going right. Maybe this is it. And you jump to pursuit, God meets you there. Two is the shoes must come off. Not the gloves. The shoes must come off. We have to be willing to understand that God's love is different from any other kind of love. His love is utterly different than anyone or anything we've ever experienced. God said, Moses, you have to take your shoes off. If you want an encounter with me, the shoes must come off. In this sense, our shoes are all of our previous experiences with the world and people and other things. These things get in the way of experiencing perfect love, God's love. Because God is not like those other things. He is unique. He is perfect. He is holy. He is other. This is why other templates like mom or dad or pastor only take us so far. In a way, they make God safe. But in another way, once you encounter God, you realize, whoa, 
His love's radically different than mom or dad's or pastor's love or spousal love or children love. He is infinitely greater than these things. He made them. So instead, we must approach him with our shoes off. That means complete naked interest and only craving his promise for perfect love. Good people can make good examples, but they only take us so far, and really not that far once you encounter him. Like Moses, you'll be glad uh, that you know how to take your shoes off, to be prepared to experience something new, not predicted, and infinitely better. This is what I experienced when I gave my life to Jesus Christ in my room. I was prepared for it. I was next door to a family that showed, that looked like Jesus and showed me enough Jesus that it made me hungry for Jesus. But when I experienced Jesus in my room and surrendered my life to him, I was done pursuing other things. I just wanted him. I was in absolute acknowledgement that I was desperate for perfect love. And I was like, Jesus, if this is you, if you are the one my heart's always been searching for in this broken world and my broken heart, then of course I'm going to surrender my life to you. And if you're the answer, I will serve you all the days of my life. And when he filled my room, it was one of the most life-changing experiences of my life. To this day, I can palpably go back there and feel it. And even this morning when I spent time with him, I can feel it. And his love is like no other and it also means I can take all the pressure off of you. Because if I have him, I'm okay. Which means I can allow you to just be you in your journey with him too. But I have to be willing to take the shoes off. I have to be willing to lay down the hurts and the pains and the broken relationships, and sometimes even the really good relationships. I have to just be willing, like Moses, like God says to Moses, take it off and just come to me with your interest and your hunger and just trusting my promise that I will reveal myself to you. Perfect love. You've got to have the desire. You've got to connect with your desire. And then you've got to be willing to take the shoes off and just encounter him and let him encounter you. Three is you must believe he is love. He is love. The Lord said to Moses, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. I love that. God encounters Moses and he says, take the shoes off. And Moses is probably like, okay, this is kind of scary. And what's the first thing out of God's mouth? I care. I am deliverer. Whatever's hurting you, hurting my people, that's actually where I want to start and bring you into the land of satisfied, of milk and honey. I love that about God. When people come in my office, they're afraid that, when they're going, I'm lost, I don't know what to do, and they're afraid that the pastor speaking on Jesus' behalf, the first thing they're gonna do is just start with all their faults. You're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong. And unfortunately, a lot of people experience that. 
I have found that's not usually the spirit of Christ. Usually they come in and the first thing I want to do is, where are you hurting right now? Well, I'm hurting here and here and here. I know it's because of me and I'm fine. Stop, stop, stop. Where are you hurting? I'm hurting here. That is where God wants to meet you right now. That's where he's speaking. And he wants to deliver you starting here and bring you here. And once you've experienced that, he's going to go back. What's, what's hurting you now? And do you know how much you're going to fall in love with Jesus when he does that to you? You're never going to want to serve another, anything again except for him. After Moses encounters him, and it's all holy and incredible, the first words out of God's mouth is rescuer, savior, lover. It means that at the core of who God is, you have to believe he is love. This means despite everything we think and Satan puts in our head, we have to hold on to the truth that God is love. Unexpected love. Which is why if you want to experience his perfect love, you must believe above everything else that he is love. And that everything bad that has ever happened to you is not the result of his love but other fallen beings who hate and are hell-bent against his love. And often that includes ourselves and the amount of it as well. Jesus said, whoever has no sin, cast the first stone. <laughs> if for every person you're like, this is why the way I am, God could easily just go, well, let's look at the stones you've thrown at people, and they could say the same thing about you. He says, let's drop all that. Let's just believe at his core, despite everything, God is love. Despite everything we've ever gone through, and Satan's trying to use that to say, see, God doesn't. God doesn't love you. Let's be like Moses and truly believe that when God says he is love, he is love, and we're never, ever going to doubt that again. He is the one who sees our need, our misery, and approaches to rescue us. And there is no greater evidence of this than the cross. His death for you and above all things, for your sins. He is the one who for, that the, oh, sorry, his sins, meaning he died for that one thing that forfeited your right to perfect love. That you have this craving for perfect love, and we're the ones that forfeited it through our sins. And God could have easily been like, sorry, sorry about that. You know, you had your chance. He could do that. And instead, he said, that's not the type of person I am. I'm going to I am going to die for you. I'm going to die for the very thing that forfeited it. And when Jesus died for it, guess what happened? Heaven opened to you, and you now have access to perfect love again through the blood of Jesus Christ. Not your own merits, his merits. Amen? Not your own merits. Praise the Lord. I don't have very many. Based on his merits and his merits alone. He died for us so that we could have perfect love again. And all we have to do is believe that God is love. On that cross is love. And he died for you to have it. He died so that you could receive the right to receive that love. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When you're feeling down, stop focusing on yourself. Focus on the cross. That's it. The image you have in your head, if it is not the cross, then you, Satan's trying to take you away from the perfect image of perfect love, which is Jesus on the cross for your sins. Always ponder the cross. 
always stare at the cross. It is at the image of the cross that you are going to feel loved, you are going to feel built up, and in everything in you that you feel forfeits it, you're going to look at Jesus on the cross and you're going to go, stop it, I already took care of it. The cross is the perfect image of perfect love. And finally, especially in light of Valentine's Day, to receive God's love, we must know he is always with us. When God sent Moses, he said, who am I? And God just said, nah, none of that. You're under the blood now. No more disqualifying. What matters is I am with you. And always. Rain or shine, anxiety or peace, setback or comeback, shame or joy, perfect love is here to stay and will save the day no matter what you're going through. That is the best part of this, my friends. You don't just give your life to perfect love one day. You don't just give your life to Jesus, and then you're like, man, that was a great experience. It's going to be a long walk till heaven. Not only does the God of Moses say, I am with you always. What does Jesus say right before he ascends? I am with you always. That means one of the greatest gifts of being a believer is we have access to perfect love every single moment of every single day. And all we need to learn to do is turn to him. Do you know how many feelings and thoughts I have a day about how somebody perceives me or thinks of me or my mind, my memory tries to retreat to a wound in the past? It's a lot. I hate it. Who here hates being broken? It's the worst what I am getting better and better at, though, is in that moment, I turn to perfect love. And I let him validate me. I let him calm me. And you know what? Sometimes my emotions still don't get in line. And honestly, I've learned to just stop listening to them when they're that way. And I'm just going to take on faith. This is perfect love. And I'm just going to act it out until my emotions get in line. Amen? Perfect love changes everything. Not just the first time you experience it, it's when you discover perfect love says to you, I'm with you always now. You, you can't ditch me. You're stuck with me. It's the best feeling in the world. That's why when you're a Christian, you self-hate on yourself. You're like, I'm worthy of nothing. This and this and this. Once you're over it, who's there? Perfect love. He's like, still love you. You're wonderful. I hate hearing that. I know, but you are. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Why do you love me? And what do we say? Stop with the why, just jump into, I don't care, I like it, I like it, I like it. I love it. First John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in love because what does perfect love do? Cast out all fear. Cast that baby out. And when you ask why, you know the answer. There's a reason that the Psalms, half of them are praises. Why? Because when you praise perfect love, you say, I love it, I love it, I like it, I like it. Holy Spirit comes and fills your heart in a fresh way. As we close, perfect love casts out all fear. And I think one of the most powerful fears it casts out is the fear of punishment. Perfect love casts out all fear every fear, and that includes punishment. Scriptures say in Jesus Christ, there is now no longer any condemnation. No more. 
Now, that is different than Holy Spirit might prick your conscience along the way. <laughs> there are definitely times you do stuff, the Holy Spirit's like, that was not so good. I love you, and I have made you for more. And I'm not going to shame you, but what you did, that, that was not so good. Let's, how about we live up to who you are? You don't need to do those things anymore because you are above them. You are beyond them. You're, you're my child. My children don't act that way. Not in a shaming way. I want you to feel it. I don't need to sin because I'm a child of God and I am perfectly loved. I don't need that stuff anymore. Amen? That is a good way of looking at sin. I don't need it because I've got him. And the more I have him, the more I realize I don't need it. Worship team, you can come up. How are we on time? Oh, I'm over. Dang, I got just, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. I told you, like, Valentine's Day is the best. When I'm looking at people, it's like, ah, it could be good. <laughs> oh, it's not so good. But when I look at God's love, I'm like, love Valentine's Day. Without love, without perfect love, we start to die. We can only hold on so long because above all, we were made for perfect love. A kind of love that no one but your creator and redeemer can meet. We must start with that desire that I am so sorry to everybody I have put this weight on. I didn't know better, but I know better now. I'm so sorry for crushing you with my need for perfect love. And then a very vulnerable turning to Jesus. I'm ready to find it in you. I'm scared, I'm a little nervous, but it's the only answer. Jesus, I'm ready to surrender to your love. And Jesus is gonna say, are you ready to take the shoes off? Are you ready to lay down the hurts and the pains that somebody caused you or you may have caused yourself? Are you just ready to take the shoes off? Are you done? And are you ready to just come to me in naked faith and let me reveal myself to you? Let me show you the picture of the cross again and what I have done for you and the power that comes through that cross to meet your need for perfect love in the perfect way. You are no longer unworthy. You are now worthy because of my love. You are an orphan, but now you are a child. You, were, you thought all love was just automatic and earned, and now I'm showing you, you are chosen. You've been chosen before the creation of the world. I look forward to you coming into the world. You are chosen. And that love will be with us always. If you're a believer, it's with you right now. If your heart is hurting, this morning, would you just rest? 
Just do a simple turn in your heart upon uh, looking at Jesus and just rest in his perfect love for you this morning. He's got you. He is with you. He is for you. You can do this. Every responsibility you have on your shoulders right now is maybe a dad or a mom, an employer, a friend, a spouse. His perfect love will fill you and calm you and strengthen you to do those things well for him. For some of you, perfect love is calling you this morning to rest in him, to surrender to Jesus and his powerful work on the cross for your sins so God's perfect love can finally release into your heart and life with the promise of eternal life as well. If this is you and this is your first time maybe hearing about the fact that Jesus is that perfect love, he is the one you've been looking for all of these years and you just didn't know and you're ready like I was to give up this old life, to give up the, 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 the desperate pursuit and you're just ready to surrender your life to Jesus. I encourage you to do it this morning, whether you're viewing online in your room or you're here tonight, if you just need to get right with Jesus Christ and surrender to perfect love, I believe he is gonna meet you and he is gonna save you and then he's gonna show you he's with you always and your life will never be the same. For others, I believe perfect love this morning is pricking your conscience because there are certain decisions that you have made that are getting in the way of his perfect love and he's grieved and he wants more relationship with you. He wants this thing, this decision, whatever it is, out of the way. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is showing you what that decision is, that you know perfect love, but somewhere along the way you made a decision. Something, this something that has separated you from him. And it says the Holy Spirit taking you back and saying, let's deal with it, let's get it out of the way so our relationship can be right again and you can receive my perfect love and lead with my perfect love. And you can be clean and unashamed. And as we go back and worship for the rest of us, let's just sing. Let's just sing, I love perfect love. I'm not gonna stop at the why, I'm just gonna admit, I like it, I like it, I like it, I like it a lot. And I'm gonna let him make me feel like the happiest person in the world. He is worthy, amen. Let's pursue his presence for a little bit. The altar is open if you feel the Lord calling you to it. Let's worship him. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be than here in your love, here in your love. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be than here in your love, here in your love. No place 
And if you're not sure where to start, our God already revealed himself. Start with where you're hurting. Start with where you need some rescuing. That is where he will be because he is your savior. And he came so that you might have life to have it to the full. I believe that starts today. Father God, we thank you for your perfect love through the blood of your son, Jesus, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just pray a blessing over all of us, myself included, that first we would say, Jesus, I like it. I give myself permission to just say it and keep on saying it. I really, really like it. I receive it. I just pray for every person here, especially those that came in feeling maybe down or alone. I just pray that as they leave the Holy Spirit, you'll fill their hearts with this truth, this Bible truth, that their craving for perfect love has been met in Jesus. And he lives in us. May we go forth and spread this love abroad to those that are around us. May we truly be able to say Valentine's Day is a wonderful day because I know God's love. And because I know his love, I can appreciate every other love in my life too. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and thank you for our service this morning. Just pray that you bless my church family as we come again together next week too. Keep us safe, safe in your love, in your name, amen. Thank you for coming this morning.